After taking a visit earlier this week, the Chargers have now officially signed return specialist DeAndre Carter to a deal, but will he be the man to help the Chargers turn around their struggling special teams unit? You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, but we're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making this your first listen and to make sure you never miss the show, subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But David, it's Fan Mail Friday. They got a little sidetracked with some actual news as the guy we talked about earlier this week, DeAndre Carter, the return specialist, is now signed officially with the Chargers. We got the details on that contract, but it looks like the Chargers are saying goodbye to Andre Roberts and bringing in a younger, more athletic player to fill that role. But maybe we'll still try to, you know, find another guy to give him competition in the draft. But we do have a lot of great questions from you guys. So after that, we'll get into if you should trade your first round pick at 17 for potentially two second round picks, because the points in some scenarios actually add up to make it a pretty tough call and we'll also talk about if Joey Bosa will break his sack record if the Chargers should potentially reunite with Melvin Ingram and how much pressure the Chargers have on them going into the 2022 season but David it always starts with the news and that's DeAndre Carter the Chargers finding a man to man the return unit right and be the guy that helps the Chargers try to help you know fix that special teams because last year Darius Swinton tried it got a lot better can the Chargers keep up that positive momentum I guess is the biggest question now but they replaced now Andre Roberts with a young athletic guy and DeAndre Carter a smaller guy 5'8 about 190 pounds but a guy that brings a lot of athleticism to the table and like we talked about you know has skills at returning punts returning kicks and also had a big part of the Washington Commanders offense last year. Yeah, I mean, a guy that's a better punt returner than he is a kick returner, but he's not a bad kick returner either. I think he averages just under nine yards per punt return for his career and around 23 yards per kick return in his career. One so, at a kickoff return touchdown last season, so that's yes, nice. exactly. And so you always want to see at least one of those, right? I mean, in, in your return specialist, you want to see a guy that can take it and take it back to the house. Not only that, but yet, like you know, I said before in a couple of shows ago, he has a couple of 40-plus yard punt returns as well. So he, he's making things happen when the ball is in, in his hands. Also on offense, he was used a lot of different ways on those gadget plays, just getting the ball into his hands quickly and letting him work saw a, a pretty good play on a highlight where he did a, a little uh, you know pig you know pigtail route where he you know went in then went out was wide open so it seemed like he's a decent route runner as well so adding another weapon for Justin Herbert in the offense and improving that special teams unit uh, is definitely something that needs to continue for the Chargers yeah I mean and the one thing about him is I mean the dude is a grinder and we'll talk about his story a little bit but it, it will be interesting to see if the Chargers want to use him offensively because his RAS is relative athletic scale he really charted well 9.47 had a really elite 10 yard split was in the 9.9 998th percentile basically nine you know and top zero two percent which is pretty crazy amongst Ooh. you know a hundred thousand athletes that seem to come out in the nfl every year and his stats wouldn't really show up but the he had pretty elite short area quickness you'd think you'd be a guy that you could find a way to use as a gadget player in your offense if that's the way they want to do it but we know they also just 
interviewed Jalen Virgil, who's an app state wide receiver, who's a return specialist. So I think the real question is now, does this cement his role? I mean, he did sign a contract that's just over a million dollars that can be about and uh, get another million dollars worth of incentives if he, if he has a good season. That probably means he has that role, David, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the Chargers wanted to take a seventh round dart throw and try to fill that position in the draft, maybe. Well, I mean, why not, right? They have a plethora of picks late in the draft. They have six, right, in the sixth and seventh round. So if they do want to just, you know, throw a shot in the dark and, and see if they can bring in someone who, you know, has just incredible skills, you know, as, you know, a, a freak on the RAS scale and just see what those tools could potentially do at the NFL level. But for me, you know, the, it's not necessarily the base salary that gets me. It's the incentive money that kind of tells me that the Chargers right. have a lot of belief in him and expect him to be able to go out there and achieve those um, and, you know, actually get a decent contract. So, uh, I mean, this is a great story. A guy who has really worked his tail off, Daniel, you got to feel feel pretty good for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a guy who's definitely been grinding out there and took the the long route to the NFL, and that's what happens when you come from Sacramento State, right? But getting back to that point you were talking about there, I mean, yeah, you have all those late draft picks to potentially throw at somebody, and I think that the Chargers will still do that because that's usually around the round where you get guys who are only specialists. And that incentive money also means that that's not guaranteed money, so they can get right. out of basically half of that contract with you know without really owing him much else and still would have a guy on a cheap contract that you're getting out of the draft but i do think it is just someone it's easy to pull for though david especially when you see that you know this guy came out of sacramento state and was an undrafted free agent 2015 didn't have a stat until 2018 i mean was just bouncing around on different practice squads right from the ravens to the patriots to the raiders never getting on the field didn't get on the field the first time until 2018 didn't get it a significant role in an offense until 2021 so i mean it's just a hard guy not to root for when he's obviously coming out of sacramento state and kind of living a dream story to get this contract is probably pretty cool well i mean to even get an opportunity to to try your luck at the nfl is a dream right and some, sure. something that these guys you know plan and and really work for their entire lives but to be able to continue to go and to con continue to pursue that pursue that dream after getting cut time after time after time that just shows you the type of character that this guy has and you know, he's not going to give up on himself. He's not going to give up on his team. So you got to love those intangibles because, like, you know, this is the, the best league in the world. The, the top 1% of athletes make it to this level. And the fact that he showed the perseverance to go out there and not stop and continue to grind until he finally gets a little semblance of a payday with the Chargers is something that you really have to admire. Yeah, and I think he has all the athletic ability. I mean, his 40 was a 4-4-4, so pretty fast, not a elite oh, yeah. speed, but that's nice, especially with that quickness, you know, has pretty good vision, it seems like. And it seems like the Chargers are really here just valuing the punt return ability specifically, right? Taking a guy who's younger, I think that yeah. is another big part of it is just the youth movement with the Chargers, seeing them letting go of guys like Limbaugh Joseph to bring guys like Sebastian Joseph Day, right? Letting go of Chris Harris Jr., bringing in J.C. Jackson. Like, there's definitely a youth movement going on. This oh, fits yeah. that. But it seems like Brandon Staley wants to get more out of the punt return, right? And that was something that was not Andre Roberts' strength last year. He ended up having a fumble in the biggest game. And like I said last time we talked about this guy, that's the <sighs> one thing, 12 career fumbles. You have to hope that he can figure that part out. But if he's yeah. doing that in four seasons, that's three fumbles per season. That's not a good rate for a return man and, and very scary. I and mean, he didn't lose all of those, but – 
even the ones you get on scare me, right? Even when you get back on top of it, it's like, okay, you're just maybe setting yourself up for a situation like you had in the final game of the season where you need a sure-handed person back there and you have a guy fumbling it and getting you in a hole that you end up not being able to get out of. So I think it is, you know, a, a decent signing by the Chargers, not breaking the bank by any means. No. Maybe he turns into more of an offensive weapon, but that's something that we're going to have to wait and see about because that's just too soon to tell. And last season was the really the first season he ever got a lot of offensive snaps and Curtis Samuel was out and they kind of filled the same type of receiver, same kind of body that they wanted in that role last year. But we do have more to get into because it is Fan Mail Friday. So we're turning the show over to you guys with some great questions coming up next. We're talking about the team that we're most looking forward to the Chargers playing in 2022. And also talk about if they would give up or if we would, you know, be behind the Chargers giving up their first round pick for potentially two second round picks coming up right after this. But I do need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.net, the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. I definitely watched some of the Masters today, and I'm sure it's probably going on as you guys are listening to this, if you're listening to it in the morning. And I'm definitely getting behind, first of all, Tiger making the cut. I might or may, you know, may or may not have some going with bet online for how Tiger's going to do, but there's a ton of great players to choose from with a lot of great odds, especially on golf, where you could really hit it big with some long shots. But it's not just golf, right? It's NBA. It's also football when it comes back, baseball now that that started officially, and even UFC, which has some big fights this weekend. But make sure you guys head to the website or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and the action at bet online where the game starts. All right, David, what well, is Fan Meal Friday? And there's been some reasons we couldn't get into it the last few weeks. We haven't been able to do as many as we wanted to. And we're not even going to be able to get all of the questions in today just because of that DeAndre Carter news. But we are going to get as many as in as we can. And it starts with a really good voicemail, I think, here from Curtis Loki, one of the guys who's been calling in for forever. Curtis, we appreciate your support. But he asked some questions about some trades, potentially, specifically, you know, with the Chargers trading away their first round pick. Hey, Curtis Loki. Hey, just had a quick question. What would be your thoughts about trading out of the first round? I'm not sure how many teams have two first round picks. I realize that, I'm, excuse me, I'm not sure how many teams have two second round picks. Um, I realize the Chiefs have two second round picks, so that's off the table. And I believe the Green Bay Packers. I'm not sure who else, if anyone else. But what do you guys think about trading out of the first, depending on who's there on the board, on the board and then trading for two second round picks? instead of having a first-round pick, or maybe two second-round picks and a third, and we give up our first and a fourth. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Maybe do a mock draft where we kind of see the scenario, what that looks like for us, what we can pick up, what kind of holes we can fill. Anyway, love the show. Go Bulls. That's a good question from Curtis Loki there, because I think a lot of people are talking about, hey, maybe move back into the 20s in the first round, maybe pick up a second-round pick that way. But this is, hey, you're not picking at all in the first round, but you get two second round picks. And we actually have a trade value chart by Rich Hill, who you know puts together a compilation of all the different trades that go down. And it gives you a good indication of what teams do and how much they value their picks, right? And according to that, the Chargers pick at 17 is worth 296 points. The Chiefs' two picks in the second round, 50 and 62, are worth 199, so not even close. I mean, they'd have to throw in another pick besides that. And Green Bay's two picks are 53 and 59, which are 197 points. So you wouldn't go with either of those picks. But, David, there are some that would be a lot closer, and the closest one has to be the Seattle Seahawks, who have picks 40 and 41. So you'd be trading away 17, you get two, 
early-ish second-round picks of 40 and 41. That's 295 points. So it doesn't get much more equal than that. Then it becomes a tough decision, David. It really does because, man, is that tantalizing. Of of course, you you know, you give up, you forego your first-round pick here, you know, at 17th overall, and there could be a plethora of good options there. You you know, you could have a a right tackle option there. You could have a a corner there. You could have one of those phenomenal wide receivers available there. So you're foregoing that to have potential – potentially adding another, you know, top 100 pick. So that's the other thing that you have to think about. Yeah, Yeah, top 50 pick. And these are going to be back to back. So, uh, you know, would I make that deal? I I honestly, I think my, just my gut feeling is, is yes, I I would make that deal because I think there are more holes that the chargers need to fill. And these picks being back to back in the top 50, I think, I think it's enough for me to make the deal. It's really close. And I think that kind of justifies and validates this trade charge because that you know it can get really close like the jets also have two early second round picks that would be lopsided in their favor then you get two picks in the 30s that's a different conversation in 33 so like you know or you know one of those very early second round picks 40 and 41 you know just to go a couple of guys we talked about like a Jalen petrie and a travis jones or getting you know one guy at 17 I think I would still stay at 17 just because I think I know one of those players is going to be good. I think it's less of a risk uh, and you're getting one good player. And like the thing is moving down in the second round doesn't get you a better offensive tackle, right? Or a better right. corner or something like that. But some of these positions, especially, you know, wide receiver and corner, there's some really good players there to where one of those guys are maybe multiple guys are still there at 40. That's a long way to drop though. That's dropping 23 spots in the draft and a lot can happen there. I'd probably, Lean no on that one, but it's really, really tough. But we have a Twitter question here from Dylan Kirkpatrick, who asked a very simple question I thought would be quick, and then I went down a rabbit hole, and that is, what opponent are you looking forward to most next season for the Chargers? So, David, we know who the Chargers are playing in 2022, and they're playing the NFC West, which is going to be you know make some good matchups, and that's a tough matchup for them, and there's some other random games on there too. But when you were looking at their opponents, obviously there's always good games inside of the division, but which game are you looking forward to watching the Chargers this year. Yeah, no, I see. I think looking at the opponents that the Chargers are going to be facing this year, there's a lot of uh, very interesting teams out there, but there's one of them, you know, that sticks out to me that there's always going to be a connection between the the top two quarterbacks there. And uh, that is, of course, you know, Tua with the Miami Dolphins. So I just want to see Justin Herbert. (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going to go. Yeah, I know. Surprise, surprise. I mean, hey, I love a, a, always love a Chiefs game. Always love a Broncos game. I love the Raiders. I love beating all of those teams. But I think having the Chargers go out there with Justin Herbert and then go dominate the Miami Dolphins, especially with the you know history between those two teams and how kind of lopsided it's been in the Dolphins' favor, I yeah. would very much love to see Justin Herbert and the Chargers go out there and beat up on the Miami Dolphins. I'm not looking forward to that game because, like, I feel like if Justin Herbert goes out there and smokes him, it's, like, kind of what he's supposed to do at this point, <laughs> you know? And then if yeah. Tua wins, it just, you know, ignites Tua non, and, and then they uh, go on a, a frenzy of, you know, quarterback no. wins or a stat and things like that. Yes. I thought you were going to go Rams uh, just because it, it's a matchup that doesn't happen very often. Obviously, once every four years, you're playing a different, you know, NFC team or that's when it comes back around. And you're also getting a shot at the Super Bowl champs, right, in right. your home stadium. So, like, that I think is going to be a huge game I'm excited to watch. I'm really excited to see the first Broncos 
Chargers game, right? With yeah. Russell Wilson at the helm for the Broncos. That, that's something I'm very excited for. You could say the same thing with, you know, Devontae Adams to a lesser extent. And I'm excited to see the, you know, Tyree Kill less Chiefs this year as well. Tyron Matthew less Chiefs this year too. So I think yes. that those are a couple I'm very excited for. I'm went with the Seahawks, David. Okay. And maybe this is a little bit biased here because I do have some family that are Seahawks fans. So it'll be fun to, you know, rub it in their face if you win. But so many crazy games to choose from, David. I mean, you go back to 2018, right? The Chargers win 25-17. Michael Davis with five seconds left on fourth down gets a pass interference call to keep the Seahawks alive, puts the ball on the one-yard line. They end up getting a false start to push him back to the six. And then on with no time left, right, with a touchdown, potentially getting a two-point conversion away from a tie game, Jaleel Adai tips a ball in the end zone and David Moore drops it in the back of the end zone and the Chargers win 25-17. 2014, four years before that, that's year after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, Percy Harvin gets a bogus 51-yard rushing touchdown, which he did step out of bounds. Yes, he did. But the Chargers end up coming back in that game and they end up winning after Seattle turned the ball over on downs with 151 the left. And they end up adding a field goal to beat the Super Bowl champs by nine. And, and Antonio Gates went crazy in that game. That yeah. was like the smoked the, Bobby Wagner. Yeah, yeah. The touchdown over the over the yeah. shoulder. He went crazy. Perfect he throw. dominated that game. That was a signature Antonio Gates game right there. Well, and in the context matters too, right? Because that was yeah. the week before that they lost to the Cardinals, where Keenan Allen on the final drive couldn't hold on to a fourth down low pass from Phillip Rivers. The Chargers were 0-1. It was looking like they were going to start 0-2. Yeah. to begin that season, and then they went and beat the, the reigning Super Bowl champs. Go back to 2010, a bad one. Chargers get down 17-0. to zero. They end up coming all the way back to tie it 20-20, to 20, and that was the season, David, where what happened? Chargers had a really good defense, a really good offense, and what did yeah. they do after tying the 20 to, teams The worst special teams unit in the league. <laughs> what did they do after tying the game? They gave up a 99-yard kick return touchdown to relinquish the lead, and then Phillip Rivers throws an interception on the Seahawks' 17-yard line, targeting Legadoo Nane, and the Chargers end up losing that one in a very, very close game. But there's also the 2006 game. The four matchups that go, the 14-2 and season for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers misses on 22 of his first 28 passes. Think about that. 22 of his first – that was a rain game. I'll never forget it. Because the Chargers, he, after you know, he was completing twenty five percent of his passes after throwing twenty eight times, he came all the way back and found Vincent Jackson with a thirty seven yard touchdown with only thirty seconds to go in B-Jax, the game. Baby, in the rain, I remember the cover on the newspaper, and he ends up you know pulling that in, and the Chargers go up by three with thirty seconds to go, and they end up beating Sean Alexander, and that's the year that you know Sean Alexander had won an MVP. LT was trying to take the throne, and he did. With that record-setting season, the Chargers end up going 14-2 and that season. And the Seahawks were a really, really good team there. Matt Hasselback, Sean Alexander. That game was the best. But that moment with the late, great Vincent Jackson, definitely wanted to get that in on today's show. But we do have other great questions that we have to get into, David, because we had so much outpour that we're just going to try to have to cram as many into the next one, including if the pressure could be too much for the Chargers with all the talent they've had to this offseason. If Joey Bosa could break his sack record this season and now lined up again, you know, with Khalil Mack and also if a Melvin Ingram reuniting is in the cards for the Chargers. We're going to get into that coming up after this. I have to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet. And it also will fit on your diet. When you're talking about the flavors like peanut butter brownie, 
cookies and cream. And you also have mint brownie, coconut almond, raspberry cheesecake. Those aren't things that you're supposed to be able to eat when you're on a diet. With Built Bar, you get something with that great flavor that also is packed with 17 grams of protein or more in most bars and less than four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. You can also go Built Puffs, David. There's no way you can go wrong with that. You can get the brownie batter Built Puff, the first ever protein infused marshmallow on the market. And they also have chirp flavor for Easter built puffs you should definitely get on that action i'm intrigued i can definitely tell you that much but not only does it taste great and you're not going to get something you know waxy or chocolate you know chalky you're getting something chocolatey 100 covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew you can save some money because when you go to built.com you can use the promo code lax 15 for 15 percent off your order that's promo code lax 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right, David. Well, we do have some more questions to get into, and we're going to have to get into it because we have super fan Zach here coming in with a question that's a couple weeks old. I told you, Zach, we'd get to one eventually, I promise, you know, but we do have one. And thank you, Zach, for all of your support as always. But David, I think he brings up a good question here just about the Chargers and how much pressure is on them because we know how much talent they added. But Zach asked, based on all the moves they made, the other moves in the AFC West, Herbert's still under the rookie contract and Staley going into his second season. Is the team under too much pressure to be a playoff team this upcoming season? So that's a, a tough question because it's always tough to gauge how people handle themselves under pressure. Like yeah. you asked Justin Herbert, who was playing for his life and in the biggest game. Ice, right? Yeah. And I mean, the biggest game of his prior football career, the Rose oh, yeah. boy goes out and wins against Wisconsin. Then yeah. you have, you know, the biggest games for the Chargers, the most meaningful games, the last game of the year, him coming through, even in the Chiefs game before that, go ahead, touchdown with two minutes left in the game. He's always come through. But David, it is a thing. I mean, we saw the Cleveland Browns from a couple of years ago, right? Added all these pieces. They had so much talent, Odell Beckham, Miles Garrett, all of those things. And then it falls apart like six weeks in, right? So it yeah. does happen sometimes. Are you worried about it? Am I worried about it? No, I'm not worried about it. And a lot of the reason for that is because of Brandon Staley and the, the, the man that they have at the top, at the at the helm, the guy that's pulling the strings. And, you know, I the reason that's the reason why I have confidence. I have confidence in him. I know that he's going to he, – now he has the type of defense that he wants. He went out and acquired Cleo Max and the J.C. Jacksons. Um, but when you make all of those type of moves, it comes with a certain level of expectation. The Chargers should very well be a playoff team next season. That is expected of them. And especially the way that the Chargers organization threw out all that money the last two years, I think the, the pressure is definitely there, but it shouldn't be too much because they look up and down their roster. They are very clearly one of the most talented teams in the NFL. Yeah, they are. I mean, even with their holes, there's no way they shouldn't be a top seven team in the AFC, right? Yes, they have a, a loaded you know, division, and there's a lot of really good teams. Who knows what the Deshaun Watson Browns are going to look like? You have Lamar Jackson potential bounce back season with the Ravens making some big moves, and you have the Super Bowl, you know, AFC team and the Bengals that are still out there too. Not to mention the guys in your own division, not to mention teams like Tennessee who fell apart in the playoffs, but you know, was really good before that last year, and teams like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> who are going to be a Super Bowl contender, obviously. So it's really tough. If they don't get there, I don't think it's going to necessarily be the pressure. But I understand the question. I mean, the Chargers had four games to really lock up a playoff berth last season. They won one yeah. Yeah. out of their last four, right? They let that slip through their fingers, and there was extenuating circumstances. The COVID Texans game, a couple of crazy games mixed in there. But one of the things when you're talking about pressure is how you're going to perform in these one-score games, which is 
time and time again killed the Chargers, shot them in the foot, and kept them out of the playoffs. I do think with Brandon Staley, with Justin Herbert being more comfortable in the new offensive scheme, I don't think it's going to get to them because I think it also has to do with the type of players they brought in, championship-caliber players, guys who have faced a lot like Khalil Mack, a veteran, not a championship player, but a veteran, right, that knows how to handle himself. And, you know, took teams to the playoffs without even a quarterback like Mitch Risky, right? Like, then you have J.C. Jackson, won a Super Bowl. Sebastian Joseph Day wasn't, you know, playing for a lot of the season last year, but saw what it takes on a team that went and won a Super Bowl, right? And all the coaches that they brought in from Super Bowl type of franchises, I think those are the things that are going to end up making the difference in the end. But we do have more, David, to get to here, and we have to go rapid round with the rest of these and get into them quickly. Then we'll start with a voicemail from, I think, maybe – a new caller in Kevin Lee. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, this is Kevin Lee. My question is, what do you guys think about possibly bringing back Melvin Ingram on a one- or two-year deal for depth? I'm sure we could get him at an affordable price. He's familiar with the system. And uh, that's my question. Thank you. David, pop off. Yeah, I mean, as far as being familiar with the system, he hasn't play, played yeah, with the Chargers in three or four years, so he's not really familiar with the system. And all, well, it's been by two the way, years. Let's give yeah. it. He hasn't been here since Brandon Staley got here, right? And Brandon Staley had brought in a completely new defense. Um, I, I mean, as far as depth is concerned, yeah. Would you like to bring him in? Sure. He's probably still has some good football left in him, and he's always been a player that's never been afraid to do the dirty work. But I don't think that the the value as far as what he thinks he's worth and what the Chargers thinks he he's worth is going to line up. Yeah, I mean, Dave, you brought it up to me beforehand, right? I mean, obviously, one sack in in the last two seasons in the regular season isn't going to cut it. I mean, he does mm-hmm. still get the pressure numbers that you want to see. I mean, he had more pressures in less pass rush snaps when you include the playoffs last season. And, I mean, Melvin Ingram was, you know, causing chaos against the Chargers last year, too, a couple of times. I mean, he definitely still has some juice. I think at this point in his career, though, he's going to want to find the most prominent role, and I just don't think he's going to see that with the Chargers. Obviously, they had their own issues before he left, and he had a weird last season with the team. I don't think it would happen. But when you're talking about a guy who – if you have one of your main two guys does go down for any kind of extended period, you have another starting kind of level player and a veteran that can come in and fill in. I mean, that is super valuable. I do think for him, though, it's going to be more about role, more about scheme, more about the place he's going to have the best chance to put up some numbers and potentially go after a ring, right? So I think that's an interesting question. And obviously, he's a fan favorite for a long time, so I definitely understand it. But we have another question here from Sean Cosgrove who asked, will Joey Bosa break his sack record? And Joey Bosa's sack record is 12 and a half sacks, which he did in 2017. Also had an 11 and a half sack season, but still always David never felt like he was getting to where he could probably. Yeah, never. I mean, I I think Joey Bosa has only scratched the surface uh, of what he is capable of doing. And a large part of that is, yeah, he's dealt with some injury issues, but he's never had anyone legitimate on the other side to really take that pressure and take that attention away from Joey Bosa. Now he has a legitimate force on the other side with a former defensive player of the year and Khalil Mack, who is just as ferocious of a pass rusher as Joey Bosa is. I've gone on record and said that I absolutely believe this will be the best year of his career. And I think he will go over 15 sacks as long as he stays healthy this season yeah I think 15 is doable from him right and I think that not only do I think that Joey Bosa will set his own sack record and beat 12 and a half this year I think as crazy as it sounds there's a non-zero chance that Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa if they stay healthy both go over 12 and a half sacks and if that happens good luck to the rest of the league because that's just pure (laughs) chaos right there and it's like totally possible it's not probable 
but it's totally possible. And that should scare a lot of people, especially if the rest of the defense can kind of hold up around them. But we have one more here from Arnie Gordon, who asked a good question. How would you compare Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley's relationship to Marty Schottenheimer and AJ Smith's relationship? So this is an interesting question, David, because obviously this is going back to the San Diego years and specifically going all the way back to 2006, right? Which was the last season by Marty Schottenheimer before he got fired after a 14 and two season. But there's one thing that we do know, David, and that's those two dudes did not get along and that got ugly quickly. Yeah, I mean, they did not get along. They did not have a very good working relationship and they had philosophical differences on how they wanted to build a football team. And so for all of those reasons and other reasons, um, they just were not, you know, a great pairing. They were like oil and water. They just did not mix very well. Now, when you look at Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley, these two guys are much closer to the same age. They believe the same things. Obviously, Brandon Staley has won Tom Telesco over with his aggressive mindset, and that's kind of been the mindset that's been assumed by the entire organization now. So I think Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley are just more in alignment with how they view things and their philosophies. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say that with Telesco just because, like, he's always doing it with his coaches, right? And that's what Daniel Popper was saying. So it's yeah. like, it may, how strict are his philosophies if, you know, he's bending to each of these coaches and their will, right? So right. I do think the one thing is this that's important to remember. A.J. Smith seemed like a jerk, right? And, and had bad relationships, not only with Marty Schottenheimer, who had his own interesting things, right? He tried to get his brother hired as a defensive coordinator, yes. which is a big part <laughs> of him getting fired after that too. But he put together a winning team because like sure I mean, they can they could disagree on philosophical defense or differences all they want like put together a 14 and 2 roster that one of the know, most talented teams in franchise history yeah maybe none. the most right yeah. like it, potentially it's in the conversation at Absolutely. the very least he got marty exactly what he needed and he was a jerk about it and and did it in you know a nasty kind of a way and didn't care about people's feelings and who he trampled along the way and there was something to it. You know, they're winning consecutive division titles. They're winning, you know, 15 straight games against the Raiders. They were easily the best team inside their division for an extended period of time, something we haven't seen since that time. So the yeah. thing is, the main point here is, yes, I mean, the Chargers are in a great situation now because the guy he's listening to is Brandon Staley. It's not yeah. Mike McCoy. It's not Anthony Lynn. So he's listening right. to someone. <laughs> it seems like he knows how to put together a team because he's had the best defense before. Played on winning teams and he was – undershot who just won a super bowl right so he saw the whole process there and how everything kind of worked there you still have to get the pieces you still have to make it work and that's not always a given so even though aj smith you know takes a lot of heat he put together good teams with good records that should have went to the super bowl so like yeah. that's something that tom delesco still hasn't done that but it was always bound to blow up that's the problem with it it, it yeah. got them a very short window where you know trampling all of those things didn't end up mattering but once that was gone, everything else deteriorated from there. And then he ended up leaving when the, you know, after the Chargers got rid of Norv Turner and him. So I, it's, it's an interesting situation for sure. A totally different situation. But I think this one is set up for more sustained long-term success as opposed to getting it all right in one year and putting together an extremely talented team and having that team kind of fracture and go off the way it did into where they had to, you know, go in a different direction eventually and waste probably some prime years of Philip Rivers' career after that, I would say. But Absolutely. really interesting question. I think this is 
potentially a better combo if you know they can hit on these picks and they are hitting on these free agents but there's a lot of reason to be excited that they absolutely could do it but that is going to wrap things up for the week thank you guys for getting involved on a fan mail friday and to make sure you guys never miss out call into the lockdown charge voicemail line at 323-524-7924 we try to get every charger's voicemail played on the show and you can also hit us up on twitter at lockdown lac you can find me on twitter at dan talk sports and david drogmeyer on twitter at dro talk sd Make sure you guys never miss the show. Subscribe on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. Coming up, guys, on Monday, make sure you're here for it because we are Monday through Friday through the offseason as well. It's another mock draft Monday. And for the first time for this show, we're going four-round mock draft. That's a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. And to make sure you guys don't miss it, you can also follow us on all of our social media, not just Twitter. You can find us on our Locked On Chargers Instagram page and our Locked On Chargers facebook page as well so a lot of places you can get in touch with us also rate and review the show if you love it, and you can find it wherever you get your podcast from but we'll be back with you guys on mock draft monday until then take it easy and go balls